listening to RMD Studios. Welcome to The Table, a podcast for leaders to build community, have conversations, and share resources. Welcome to The Table Podcast. My name is Sean Rainey, and I'm your host. This podcast is created by the Church Ministries Department and RMD Studios. The Church Ministries Department is a ministry of the Rocky Mountain Ministry Network. The goal of this podcast is to provide resources, training, and networking to the ministries of the local church. Hey, we still believe the church is the hope of the world, and we're here to serve you and your volunteer leaders. Now, today we have a full studio. We have every mic filled, and we are tackling a topic today that is just so needed and so necessary. And we have the perfect guest to talk about this. Today, we are talking about the secrets to longevity on a church staff. And and you know what? If we just got crazy, let's just title this uh, Confessions of a Seven-Year Staff Pastor. We're so excited to have Pastor Scott and Linda Bottoms from Briargate Church, along with Josh Jans. Josh and Liz have served on staff as youth pastors with Scott and Linda for over seven years years. Hey guys, welcome to the table Thanks. today. Seven years with Scott Bottoms. How how fun was that, Josh? It's been an adventure for sure. Yeah. You know? Seven years. Linda, you've spent more than seven years with Scott I Bottoms. Have. 30. Wow. 30 years with Scott Bottoms. And you're alive to I tell. It's awesome. Now, hey, today is even more special uh, because Dr. Scott Bottoms turned 50 today. Today is his birthday. So happy birthday. <laughs> Dr. Scott. Thank you. <laughs> You're still alive, no broken hips, so we're all good, man. So, all right, well, guys. That's how you am. Let's dive into this today, man. I want to talk about this topic because, really, nationwide, man, we are seeing a lot of transition going on on church staffs in this season of COVID and just so many things that church are facing. Um, these are some wild times. And we want to talk today about staying, about longevity and what that looks like. So, Pastor Scott, how long have you guys worked together with Josh and Liz? Seven years. Seven years. Seven years. Have you guys had any disagreements or conflict during that time? No. (laughs) None whatsoever. None at all, man. What would be one conflict that stands out to you, Pastor Scott? Um, Well, so this was the biggest one for me emotionally. Um, Liz used to also work at the church and uh, one day Liz came in and told me that uh, she knew the best way to be able to communicate better was for her to move a desk straight into my office <laughs> and um, that one almost ruined I almost fired them both right then <laughs> yeah, that's right right there close proximity man that's that's crazy Josh what about you man what's one example that that you remember maybe a disagreement or conflict that you guys had I don't know. Um, I think that there really, there's nothing huge that stands out to me. Uh, I feel like we've always been pretty good about respecting each other. And, and if there is conflict, uh, we're also pretty comfortable about bringing it up with each other too. Yeah. Uh, there have been small things here and there, uh, you know, whether or not he actually needs to replace his transmission on his Jeep or not, <laughs> you know, things like that. But Yeah, that's awesome. 
I would say we we do have uh, disagreements, but I don't know that conflict isn't the right word. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, there's been a few conflict type of things, but disagreements we actually kind of foster that a little bit within our um, within our uh, staff, within our leadership. We want to be able to make sure that everybody has a voice and can say things. So we actually disagree. Our whole staff disagrees regularly. We just don't let it get to conflict. That's good. That's yeah. really good. How, how do you manage those conversations, Special Scott? Like, you know, do you have this open door policy? Is it certain times? Is it on review days? Or, you know, how, how do you allow that kind of disagreement or those tough conversations to even begin? Well, so again, we, we actually kind of do this in our staff meeting every week. We'll talk about what's been going on um, that weekend, um, just in a general sense, maybe the last few weeks, those kind of things. And where we're going to be heading, and so that's where the conflict comes in. If if um, if somebody says, "Well, then, you know, let's try to look at this again," maybe conflict's not the right word, but that's when we all begin to discuss with with really varying um, degrees of disagreement. We're yeah. saying, "Okay, well, I think this. Well, I think this." That takes a little while. You can always tell the new the new kid on the block, the newer staff person, or. If we have a board member in the meeting or something like that or just somebody, they don't always respond as well to the disagreements. Yeah. They, they're not, most people are not used to actually open communication That's disagreements. Right. So it kind of makes them uncomfortable. But, but the longer you're there, the more that becomes – that's who we are. That's our DNA. That's good. Josh, how do you handle that when, like, maybe you guys have a disagreement about a certain direction and in that room – Man, it sounds like you can voice that opinion, but then once you leave that room, what are some things that you do to just know, hey, we're on the same team, we're moving forward? Well, I think that through different disagreements and things, uh, I've always had uh, an approach of listening and seeing if somebody's opinion that is different than mine might be better, Yeah. right? And so I, I very much am willing to share my own opinion, but that doesn't mean that I'm always saying that I know this is the way things have to be done. Uh, and there's even been situations he talks about when we have a new staff member or somebody that's come on within the last couple of years. Uh, there's a couple of times where they've asked the exact same questions that me or Liz have asked when we first moved there. And we're talking about some of the same things. And I remember thinking the same way they thought and having that same almost uh, disagreement or thought process of, well, why aren't we doing it this mm-hmm. way? Why are we doing it yeah. like that? Uh, but most of the time, if I'm just open to listening to you know his experience, because he has a lot more experience in ministry than I do, uh, obviously. Um, so if I'm just open to listening to that, most of the time, I will usually, we will come into alignment if we just kind of share opinions or share views. Uh, but I think an important thing in that is, is knowing from the position of a staff pastor that I think ultimately at the end of the day, my responsibility as a staff pastor is to fall under the vision of Scott yeah, and, and not necessarily that's good. to challenge that. <laughs> um, and so, uh, so I think that coming with that understanding, but not being afraid to say, hey, why are you making that decision? Yes. Why aren't we doing it this way? Um, and, and most of the time, it's a simple explanation that I just haven't thought of. That's right. And that takes maturity on both you guys' parts, you know, to be able to walk into that mm-hmm. and out of that same meeting. So let's talk about maybe the interview process. I know so many pastors, you know, hey, they want to make that right higher, right? Like they, they want to have that longevity 
in their staff. And so, Pastor Scott, maybe like, you know, I know this is seven years ago. I know you're 50. Maybe you, know, you forgot a few <laughs> things here. But, you know, what were some things What were some things that stood out to you and Linda about Josh and Liz when they interviewed? Was there one thing that you're like, oh, man, these is the right couple? Or was it like, hey, we're going to take a chance and see what happens? Well, anytime you hire a staff pastor, you're taking a chance. You better You better know that going in. That's good. Um, because, because nobody really, uh, is honest when it comes to references. And mm. I mean, there's so many things that you have no idea what you're actually getting. You can do all your homework and everything, but it's still, it's still up in the air. But, yeah. but here's what, uh, over years, I used to not hire very well. Uh, I've worked on this a lot over the years, a whole lot. And, uh, one of the things that I came to, there has to be a, a couple, in my opinion, two foundations. When you're hiring somebody, the first one is the, the overall integrity of the individual. Um, but this isn't just the individual. This is the couple. Even though that you're not paying both of them and both of them uh, um, are not going to be full-time at the church and all that kind of stuff, you're, you're hiring a couple. You're hiring a family. Yeah, they've right. got kids. And so the integrity of the, the individual and the family is the most important thing. It's not competencies, ministry skills, ministry pedigree, any of that yeah. kind of stuff. It's um, it's integrity. Do they do, are they really legitimately pursuing God, or are they pursuing a ministry position? Well, the second thing for me is: Are we all trying to build the kingdom? Yeah, and not our kingdom, but the kingdom of God. So, if they're trying to build the kingdom of God, then they will be integrous. If they are, if they're building their own kingdom, or it's just a position to them then they may even think that they're um, just full of integrity, but at, at some particular level they're not. But my experience and having a lot of conversations with pastors and even seeing it myself over the years, I used to hire so that they could help me further my church. Mm. Well, that's building my kingdom. That's not building yeah. the kingdom of God. And so then what happens is without trying to, you're actually making them expendable. I, I heard somebody say years ago, whatever you get hired for is what you'll get fired for. Wow. And the if, if you're bringing somebody in just to build your local church, eventually your vision continues to change because it's it's guided by uh, culture, it's guided by fads, it's guided by a lot of stuff, and so then these people become expendable. Yeah, because they they only they'll have a shelf life depending on what they can contribute to that that context. But if you're really trying to build the kingdom, then theoretically nobody has a shelf life because they're trying to grow in the Lord. You're trying to grow in the Lord. You're trying to help people grow in the Lord. You're trying to help your church be part of the kingdom, get people saved, which should be the top priority, and build the kingdom of God. If you're doing that, then you you are going to be on yeah. the same page. You That's are going to awesome. you are going to have longevity because they're going the same direction with yeah. you long term, even if short term you're not necessarily on the same page about things or that you're confused or whatever. Um, so the integrity of the person and then building God's kingdom, not I love it. Not your kingdom. I remember when we interviewed uh, Josh and Liz, we had interviewed— Linda, what did you want to say? <laughs> we had interviewed four different uh, people that day. And I remember when we got off the last interview— it was a no-brainer because you could see the heart of Josh and Liz, wow. and you could see the heart for ministry and how they were already doing ministry where they were. It wasn't, I attend a church here, and I want to go do ministry at your church. Yeah. It's, this is, I'm doing ministry here, 
and I want to do ministry with you. And so that was a big part of the one of the reasons we brought them in. That's awesome. Linda, let me ask you this question. So what are some of those things that you've seen Scott do or even like you guys have done together to really encourage or to build that culture of staff longevity? Um, you know, do you guys just hope it happens or is there intentionality <laughs> behind that? Well, we do hope it happens. Yeah. Um, but I think that w- <laughs> one of the things that we do um, is that we really create a culture of family yeah. with our staff. And so our staff aren't just our staff Monday through Friday and on Sunday morning. You know, they become our family. And so we do things with them all the time, and and we create a relationship with them. So then when those hard times come, we're able to speak those things into yeah. them because we've already created that relationship. And so it makes it easier to stay together when you like each other. That's right. That's right. Are there other little things like practical things like in their first year, in the first six months, in their onboarding, you know, how you guys, how do you really flesh that out as working together as a family? Well, one of the things that we've noticed that we accidentally did, and really it's Scott because he's the pastor and he's their boss, is that whenever we've hired most of the time, all of the time, we've hired people who live Along their families live a long ways away, yeah. So that very first year of ministry is hard for them, yeah. Um, especially if they're single, um, it's hard for them because they've moved away, they don't have friends, they don't have family, and so Scott's always been really lenient that first year on on time away and what they're doing, and and just knowing that they have never done this before. Whatever we're doing, it takes a year for them to develop that culture of your church, and so just being. Um, graceful in what we do. Now, after that year, you know, okay, here we are. It's time that you stay home and not go on vacation. But, you know, it it takes a little bit to let them get established in who we are as a church. All right, Josh, I want to dial this in with you and Liz. Um, You know, again, we're really talking to staff pastors, and I believe that this podcast could maybe help a staff pastor who may be on that bubble right now. Like, hey, you know, do I leave? Is this a place that I can dive in? There's been many hurdles, I'm sure, that you guys have crossed. Um, What are some of the most important things that you and Liz have received from Scott and Linda during the years that you guys have worked together? Um, I think the biggest thing is we received very much a sense of family when we came in, just like Linda was talking about. Uh, And that was important. I had been living, you know, 16 hours away from my family for the four years that I was in college, uh, which is where Liz and I met. But she was only you know, less than two hours away from her family. And so when she moved out here, that was the first time that she really had been that far away from family. So so that really was important for us. Um, and to know, you know, that outside of work, outside of uh, our ministry position, outside of being pastors, uh, you know, we still had people that we can go to for support and talking about, you know, certain things, whatever's going on in our lives. Um, and even if it's just to hang out. I remember the first few years that, that we were here, uh, Scott and I, would go mountain biking together all the time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was just uh, a, a really big thing. But I think um, one of the things also is that they challenged us to be better um, in multiple different areas of our lives. They challenged us to be better, and then they walked with us through wow. um, how to be better as well. And not just doing in youth ministry, but in, like, following Christ and who we were personally. Um, and then uh, Scott was also a huge support of, us doing youth ministry in a way that God was asking us to do it, not necessarily in the way that he would do it. And there'd be several conversations where, you know, I'd say, what do you think about this or whatever? And, and he would say things like, 
you know, how you guys are doing it is not necessarily the way I would do it, but I think what you're doing is right. Yeah. You know? And so he challenged us to be better in that, but then he also gave us the freedom to do what we felt God was asking us to do in the culture that God was, you know, putting in our heart to, to relay in the ministry, uh, in our ministry that we were doing with the students. Um, and I think along with all of that stuff, there was a lot of, uh, grace and patience given, uh, and, and that was, that was very, very much needed and, and important. That's incredible, man. So just kind of ask you to be a little open and vulnerable. What, was there a time when you and Liz in the last seven years felt like, hey, we may have to make a move or we may have to leave? Did you guys have that feeling? And then maybe what did you do to overcome that? Or what, what has kept you in this position for the last seven years? Well, I, I think that there may have been times like we, we've gone through some pretty hard times um, in this position. And in this, you know, this, the past seven years, we've gone through a lot. Um, and so there have been times where, you know, we have felt just at a, at a very low point uh, because of situations out of our control. Um, and uh, it was really situations that the whole church went through together. Uh, and so those moments were hard, but I don't think any of those moments ever drove us to say like, hey, I think we need to find somewhere else. Um, I, we, we always felt pretty strongly connected here. And, and I was almost at the point where I was afraid that God was going to tell me to go somewhere yeah. else because I liked being here so yeah. much. Right. And I really felt like, uh, it was important for us to be here. Um, and then there have been other situations that have made us think about it more than I would have ever wanted to, because yeah. you know, we, we got offered, uh, a, uh, an interview with another position. And I was really thinking about whether I should take it or not, because I didn't know if this was like God presenting this mm, to me or, yeah. or what. And I actually came into his office and talked to him about it, which is kind of weird to do. Right. You know, uh, I got, you know, this other person wants to interview me and, and, uh, and, God, I, and I, had, this. <laughs> I had prayed about it myself and, and I really felt like this, I, I shouldn't, I shouldn't even do the interview because I felt like this is where I was supposed to stay. Yeah. Right. And then, so I talked to him afterwards. I'm like, you know, what does it look like when God transitions you? Cause I know he's been through different transitions in ministry and, and we had a whole conversation about what that wow. looks like and, and, and how to do it properly. And, you know, if I was going to leave, what that would that look like? But it was all out of like a, this kind of came out of left field. I didn't know this was coming. Yeah. And now I'm having to think about something I didn't want to think about, wow. you know? Um, but there really hasn't been anything that has, uh, where Liz and I were, were seriously considering moving. Yeah. Um, we, we've always felt like uh, this is where we wanted to be. And another thing that always has stuck with me, even through uh, being in my own youth group, being called into youth ministry uh, at the age of 16, I always heard the statistic, which I know it's changed so much, but I was always hearing like the average tenure of a youth pastor yeah. being like six months, 18 yeah. months, less than a year, whatever. You know, it's, I've heard so many different ones, but all of the ones that I heard were extremely short. And I've always had the attitude of, I didn't want that to be my case. Yeah. Like I wanted to stay somewhere. I wanted to be somewhere that I can really invest for a long time. And and I didn't really see the benefit of only being somewhere for a year or 18 months right. and then moving on to another place. And so that is something that has always from the beginning been uh, almost like a personal goal. Yeah. And I feel like a goal that God has put in my heart um, to, to reach of longevity in, in a position, uh, staying awesome. somewhere as long as I feel like, you know, being willing to work through hard times, being willing to, you know, um, you know, mourn together and, and, uh, rejoice together and, and accomplish things together and, and walk through defeat together and all that yeah. stuff. To me, going through all that stuff was worth more than, 
you know, maybe finding it. I don't even, it, it's hard for me to verbalize because I don't yeah. see the benefit of finding a different position or, you That's know. That's right. Linda, let me ask you this question. Um, Liz is not with us. She's no. actually at a school at her job right now. She tried to call in, but uh, she's super busy. Um, what's an area that you've seen growth in Josh and Liz in the last seven years? Like what would be the biggest growth, um, you know, area of their lives that you've we, noticed? Well, you know, um, I I can look back at them and I can see the growth in, in where they are. Uh, when Liz first came on staff or Josh came on staff and then Liz started working for, at the church as well, um, she really struggled because she wanted to be the youth pastor. Mm. That's what she always planned to do all her life was be the youth pastor. And and it took a little while for her to figure out um, what she really was, you know, who she really was. And so to look back and watch how she's grown in that, where she, it was okay for her to be, um, we consider her the youth pastor. We consider her and Josh the youth pastors. But it was hard for her to, figure out that place where she belonged. And when she finally came into it, it probably took a couple of years, and she finally came into the place where she knew where she belonged and who she was. And we had some hard times during Mm -hmm. that time. We had some straight conversations and and some direct um, learning, you know, some maybe some emotional conversations (laughs) between Liz and I over over what that is. And and now just to see them both grow, you know, Liz has her master's, she's a school counselor, she's found her place. Uh, Josh has just matured in where he has because they've decided to stay. That's right. You know, they said, this is where we're going to be and we want to be here a long time. And so they persevered through those times that maybe weren't so fun and weren't so happy. Um, And They've made a great relationship. It sounds like there's a lot of mentoring that has just gone into this, not just as a youth pastor, but as a man, as a husband, as a wife, as ministry. Uh, and man, that's where you see like like the secret almost. Like just, Josh, you guys being willing to submit to that and, and you guys being willing to be patient mm-hmm. and pour into a family that you've invested so much into. So I, I want to just talk about some, again, very practical things. Uh, Josh, we're going to go with you first and then Pastor Scott. I want you to give me, Josh, just three things that you must do as a staff pastor to really have that longevity. You you guys have lived this. You guys have been through seven years, you know, hopefully more. I was hoping that you wouldn't get fired before this podcast so that we could actually still do this podcast. So, uh, so that worked out well. Uh, but, but Josh, give us just three things that you think as a staff pastor that you must do to have longevity. Um, I, I think the first thing would be self-growth and self-monitoring, mm. right? And being able to be accountable for yourself. And this is something that I was not good at when I first got here. Um, and something that I had to teach myself and I had to learn. Um, but but being able to be accountable for your own actions and your own ministry yeah. and and making sure that you're setting your own personal goals. Um, I mean, Scott very much set goals for me um, and and saying and, and pushed me saying, I want to see this, you know, and, and he very much left it up to, you know, it, you do it how you want to, but you should be looking at this, you should be setting goals that are quantifiable, not just dreams, right? You should yeah. be setting in stuff. But I do think it's very important for me as a staff pastor to be able to take care of myself. You know, I shouldn't have to be babysat. I'm not a, a huge fan of micromanagement. Mm. And and uh, and and I think that that was one thing that I really had to learn uh, and something I wasn't very good at when I first got here. So over the years, I've gotten a lot better at it. 
Um, but being able to set goals for myself, monitor myself, monitor my own ministry, and make sure that I'm still going forward. So yeah. that's not something like, like Scott's not having to run the youth ministry through me. That's right. Mm-hmm. Right. Wow. Uh, he hired me to run the youth ministry. And so I should be able to do that myself. Uh, the second thing would be uh, alignment, aligning my vision for the youth ministry in alignment with the vision for the church, which yes. came from Scott, right? right? So that we're we're both heading the same direction, even though my method might be a little bit different for students, uh, my practices might be a little bit different. Our overall vision for the church as a whole, the body of Christ, is very much moving in the same place. So making sure that I'm in alignment with the vision that he has for the church as a whole yeah. and all that I do um, really is an important thing. And And by doing that, it really does avoid we avoid a lot of conflict because of that, because we, we really, at the end of the day, on, on you know, plain language, we are moving the same direction. We're going the same way. Uh, and, and that is a direction that we feel that God has, has put on our hearts individually, but then also together. Yeah. Um, and then communication. Uh, that, that's, that's a huge thing. Uh, openly communicating, uh, you know, things that you need, uh, making sure that I know what his expectations of me are uh, during the interview process. That was very much just as much me interviewing him as it was him interviewing me. We had an entire list of questions that we Mm -hmm. asked through uh, in all the interviews that we did. Um, And so, you know, one of those things was what do you, from a weekly standpoint, from a a long-term goal standpoint, what are your expectations of me communicating that? And then if there is a a problem or an issue, making sure that that's stated without it just kind of like being brushed under the rug and letting it all build up. Right. And uh, and so— That communication, and then I think along with that, you know, willingness to learn new things, yeah. uh, being willing to learn how to do something that you might not know how to do, yeah. whether that's, you know, setting up a sound system, mm-hmm. running a computer, you know, installing a live stream, you know, all these different things that um, weren't necessarily something you went to Bible school for. Yeah. You didn't intend it. You're like, I'm a youth pastor. I should just be preaching to students and doing that's youth right. ministry stuff, right? But there's a lot more that goes into the church as a whole uh, that sometimes you just have to do because it needs to be done. Yeah. And let me say something about that. What I've seen from you guys, you know, Josh, during COVID, you know, everybody was in chaos, right? Like, what do we do? What's Mm -hmm. my role? How do I, well, the youth pastors that I saw thrive is doing what you just said. You know, you learned new things and because you learned those things, you were able to be valuable to Scott and to Linda in a lot of different ways because you wasn't having youth service. There is no meeting with students. You know, you're doing some Zooms, but I mean, really, man, how much preparation does that take? Like once you do that, it's over, but you've became so valuable because you learned live stream, you learned sound, you made yourself valuable in other areas besides just your field. And that's that whole concept of, hey, it's not, uh, you know, just my job, it's all of our jobs. Right. And if I can get in someone else's boat and help them row, man, that's mm-hmm. that's what I'm going to do. And you've done that, Josh. I've watched you do that in multiple areas as I've known you. You always are helping someone else row their boat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know, I think being willing to step up to the plate without being asked <laughs> yes. is is a huge, huge thing. You that's know, good. I, uh, you know, more than than my position, you know, as a staff pastor being paid to be the youth pastor, you know, I'm also for the kingdom of God, just yeah. like he was saying at the beginning, you know, yeah. and, and uh, whatever I can do to help 
that vision go forward, that That's whatever good. God's trying to do go forward. And um, being willing to do that without being reluctant about it yep. or without having an attitude about it that's or, awesome. you know, all that kind of stuff. That's, that's important for me. So, all right, Scott and Linda, you guys with three things that you've seen in these guys or in other staff, that's been longevity time with you guys. What are some keys that you're seeing to achieve longevity on staff? I, I, I would say th- there's, this is a bigger subject than just um, bullet points Yeah, because and I get I get calls every now and then from uh, other pastors that are friends saying, "Okay, this this came up with um, with a uh, one of our pastors or with a staff or administrative staff or something. What what would you do here?" That that's not a, an answer that I can easily give somebody yeah. because there's a whole culture, there's a whole foundation. There's a if I were to to give somebody two or three quick little things that will help them with their staff or whatever, it probably will hurt them more than help them mm. because I'm starting from a, a specific point of reference when it comes to who I am and yeah. what we're trying to accomplish and my personality. My personality is very unique and how I interact with my staff is unique. Yeah. And um, if I just said, well, this is what I would do, it, it probably would, it really would hinder a lot of pastors. And so one of the things with longevity for me is going back to kind of the bigger picture of the kingdom I was a staff pastor for uh, six or seven years before I became lead pastor, and and I was very young. I started when I was twenty, but there was a lot of things that I was watching and learning, and I didn't realize, you know, fifteen years later, I'm going to be putting these things into practice and that kind of thing. But one of the things that kind of always turned me off uh, when I was a youth pastor, and and I didn't really get this from the pastors that I worked for, but a lot of my friends were getting it, and I was I was seeing this is this mentality that the pastor is the the big great king, mm. and uh, the rest of the staff work for this mighty king. Yeah, and uh, and again that the staff is expendable. Everything is about you know putting um, people in the seats and money in the in the account and stuff like that. And I think my starting point with all of this is uh, Josh's call is just as as profound and just as unique and um, just as um, vital as my call is. Now, our responsibilities are different. Yeah. I'm, I'm responsible for the big picture, and I'm responsible for him. But at the end of the day, his call is just as important as my call. And when, when pastors can see this about their staff, I, I mean, the statistic, you know, seven or eight months for a youth pastor's tenure is, is the average. There's something majorly wrong with that. Yeah, that's right. You can't put all that on those youth pastors. You got some pastors that are jerks, or that wouldn't be happening. And so, at some point, you have to be investing in individuals. Now, I, I didn't hire Josh as youth pastors to mentor him, mm. but I but it is my responsibility to mentor him in the process. But but even that, the longevity concept of this is I can mentor all day long, but if he isn't wanting to accept or receive, or if he doesn't want to also speak into some of this kind of stuff, right. or I'm not ready for or open or mature enough for him to speak in, then it doesn't matter. The mentoring mentoring cannot be one-sided. And so uh, all of this working together, longevity starts first in the heart and the attitudes of both people. Yeah. Are, are, you, are you really wanting to see God do some really big things, first in your life and then second in other people's lives? Uh, will, will that eclipse anything else, including, again, coming back to, will that, for you, does that e- eclipse uh, growing a local church? Mm. Can you really see the establishment of the kingdom in your own heart and your own mind first? 
and then grow out from that. So it's some of the things over the years that I think has contributed to our longevity is the fact that um, it's not just me speaking toward or to Josh, but also the, the other way around. There's been time when Josh and, and, and others of our staff have said things to me that I was like, well, that's not, you know, that's not very nice or that's not <laughs> the way it's supposed to be. Or, But my responsibility is to process that and think yeah. about it and realize that that they have an opinion too. Um, now, again, if you're really submitted to God and you're submitted to each other, then this isn't, these aren't uh, career ending conflicts. They're yeah. just, they're just process along the way that you have to do. So, so I think the first thing for longevity is you have to have kind of a big picture with consistency of humility that says, yeah. okay, well, are we going to do this together or is this my show kind of thing? That's good. Um, and the consistency thing too is, I, I see this all the time with with uh, pastors, leaders, things like that. That they have like these set of rules or guidelines or whatever that they operate by, but they're but they're not consistent. Like they operate with this set of guidelines with this group of people and this mm-hmm. set of guidelines with these people. Yeah, and uh, you know they they treat their staff one way and they they act like this a different way. Is there consistency? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't even see that half the time in theology when yeah. it comes to churches. Is there consistency? Does one thing match up to the next thing? So that comes from a bigger kingdom mentality and humility. Uh, the second thing also is I, I think really accepting these people as as um, as people. And, I, and again, this goes both ways too. You, you, when pastors come on staff as a staff pastor, they have to realize that that pastor is not perfect. Yeah. And that that pastor is going to say things sometimes that that's stupid or wrong, or they're going to they're going to be inconsistent. They're going to be immature, those kind of things. And and so a staff pastor has to be able to support a pastor through stupid stuff too, mm-hmm. through inconsistency and all that other kind of stuff. And it, and that garners um, respect and um, and solidarity from the pastor too. Uh, just knowing it's, it is so important for a pastor to know his staff's got his back. Yeah. Well, that's not something that you say. That's really something that's a spiritual thing. That's right. And a, and a deeply core issue. Yes. Pastors know if the, if their staff doesn't really have their back, they just know it. Yeah. And so I think that goes both ways. Understanding when you've, when you've got a staff, specifically younger staff, when they first come on board, they're going to have to do a lot of changing. I mean, a major amount of changing and they don't know it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And so you're going to have to be very, very patient. You're going to have to help them, talk them through stuff, uh, all these kind of things. But then at the same time, you've got to expect that you're going to change every time you hire another staff person because now the dynamic has changed. Yep. The, everything about it has changed. So you have to change, and you have to be ready for them to change, but you've got to do this in such a way that it's, it's healthy for everybody. That's good. And, uh, and, and then just the last thing I think is um, – is is if you're really thinking long term, you know, there's um there's a statement I've heard so many times over the years, and when I first heard it, boy, I really responded to this. It's probably 20 years ago, and uh, man, I reject it so much now. But um, a pastor of a very large church, a good friend of mine, he said, um, you got to hire slow and fire fast. And I and I, a friend of mine that was sitting there, he he asked him, he said, well, when do you know you're supposed to fire somebody? And he said. The first time it comes in your mind. Mm. Well, if I had done that, I'd never had anybody work for me more than about six months. <laughs> That's right. 
there, there is something so satisfying about, man, just leave, just go away, you're mm-hmm. fired. But that's not healthy for anybody. Yeah. And so I, I, these guys are, in my opinion, these guys are trying to build a church. They're not trying to build the kingdom. Wow. And uh, I don't want somebody to think about me like that. Why would I be thinking about a staff pastor like that? Yeah. And so, so, you know, I think the idea is hire slow. And uh, and then slowly work with them constantly. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. That seems simplistic, but but we're trying to build something bigger than us, and we're that's trying good, to build man. people. And if you can't even build the person that's on your staff, how are you? Are you really building the people in your church? Or are you just building a church? Uh, th- those are two different things. And so I, I think you just have to. You're just gonna have to go through a lot of bumps, a lot of stuff along the way. And I'm saying this not from the past position. I'm saying both. The staff pastor and the pastor, you have to you have to just be committed to working together yeah. and coming to the conclusions that you have to come to. That's gold, man. That's some great, great stuff. Linda, would you add anything else to that? Well, I guess I just keep yeah, thinking. Yeah, she will. <laughs> Always. Go ahead. <laughs> so I think I would just add, um, I think I just keep thinking uh, perseverance. Yeah. You know, because really, and I know this sounds, this probably sounds ugly, but you could say, okay, I'm going to get, I'm done with this. I don't want to deal with this anymore. And you fire them, get rid of them. And then what do you get next? Yeah. You could be back in the same boat or even worse. So doesn't it make more sense to just say, hey, how can we work through this? That's right. How can we work through these issues and um, and come out on the other side looking better? That's good. So just kind of wrap this up, man, with last few questions here. I want to talk about trust. You guys said a few things that, you know, if there was not trust, then you could have not had that conversation, Josh, when you were approached to be interviewed, you know, so many staff pastors say, how long can I wait until I share that with my lead pastor? And you said, hey, I need to go and share this. And so that trust factor both ways. And and for you, Scott, to be able to trust that, hey, you know what? God's will is going to happen. And, you know, if he needs to interview, if he needs to see if that door is going to open, I'm trusting in God and I'm trusting in my staff. That's a big deal. Craig Groeschel has a statement that says trust is given and mistrust is earned. Um, How has that been? How has trust been so important for you, Josh? And then I want Linda, I, I want, I want you to answer this question about trust in regards for you and Scott. So, you know, first, real, real, real quick, Josh, how has trust in this relationship um, been so important for you guys? Um, well, I think it, it's, it's so freeing to have trust, you yeah. know, to be able to um, talk to somebody and, and uh, just, just be able to say, hey, this is what I'm thinking. And I know it sounds kind of weird, but I just like your opinion on this, right? Mm-hmm. To not be afraid, like if thought comes into my mind and, and I'm thinking about something or, or if he says something and I'm like, ah, I'm not totally sure about that. You know, if, if there wasn't trust there, I would just kind of hold these things in. I would not yeah. be able to have the freedom to be able to speak and let it off of my, my heart, my mind or whatever. Um, and, and that wouldn't be healthy to have all these, you know, different things just piling up inside and, and uh, it really, you know, can put your mind into a place to encourage you to say, maybe I shouldn't be here. Maybe I shouldn't. Yeah. Maybe this isn't worth fighting through. Um, but I think that, you know, Scott is always, I, I think from the very beginning, he, he very much gave trust. Um, even when, you know, maybe it wasn't 
necessarily deserved, yeah. right? And, and there have been then been times through the years that that I have earned mistrust from him mm-hmm. because of decisions that I've made. Um, and and there there was a point that we went through uh, where where I really was dropping the ball a lot. I yeah. was not in a good place, and um, some of it was a situational because of things that were going on, and some of it was health issues that I had that I didn't necessarily know about. None of that stuff is like super important in it, but but I, I really was going through a time of depression, and I didn't understand what that was yeah. for myself. I didn't know that's what I was going through, and I kept just you know wanting to just do nothing but sit on the couch all day. And wow. and there's one time specifically where we were supposed to go to Home Depot and pick up a bunch of you know sheetrock or something like that. I can't remember exactly what it was, and uh, and and I totally overslept, and I showed up at like eleven o'clock, and and he was you know super mad, but he didn't say anything. I just showed up, and then. You know, we finally had a conversation about it, you know, once once you know, everybody was kind of cooled down a little bit. Yeah. And and in that moment, because I trusted him more than just like, you know, you know, I don't want to share this with you or I don't have to talk to you about this. You know, my my life is my own life and, and I want to keep it that way. Because there was trust there, I, I started just sharing with him, you know, the things that I was going through. I feel this way and I don't want to feel this way and and all this stuff. And and that's really where we kind of found out that I really was struggling with something that I needed help with more than just what I can handle myself. Wow. Yeah. Right. And so, uh, had there not been trust there, uh, it would have been very hard for me to share that. And, and honestly, I don't know if I'd still be in the position, yeah. you know? Um, and so going through that, you know, we were able to, he was able to really mentor me through that process and, and help me kind of get back into the place where I should be, yeah. uh, rather than in a place that, that really was leading me towards, uh, getting fired. Yeah. And, uh, and so, um, that's just one example of many over the years where, um, you know, I, I do think that you have to give trust even when maybe you don't want to give trust. Uh, but then also, like I said at the beginning, when that mistrust is earned, uh, man, there needs to be grace and, and right. patience in that that's too, good. you know? Linda, how is how important has trust been in this relationship with your staff, and 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 maybe like just real quickly, how can staff pastors build trust? How can they destroy trust? Well, you know, you and I have talked about this a lot, Sean, um, about this podcast we listen to and how trust is given and uh, mistrust is earned. Instead of saying trust is earned, mm-hmm. you know, why don't we start out with trust? Now, it's not always easy, and we're not always perfect at it. But why not start out by saying, you know, what they're late because there's got to be a good reason why they're late. You know, there's got to be a reason why they're not here yet, or there's got to be a reason why that didn't get done. I trust them that there's a reason. And then mistrust, like Josh said, is earned. Well, because he had been going through all of that all that time, he had earned the mistrust. So we had just began to think, okay, there's not a reason for him to be late, or, you know, there's something like that. So why don't we all start off with, Hey, I'm going to trust you. I'm yeah. going to trust there's a reason why that didn't get on the calendar or there's a reason why you veered off into somebody else's lane. There's got to be a reason. So what is it? Yeah. Instead of saying, um, oh, no, they did that because of this. And I bet this is why they did it. Let's find out why and build that trust factor. Now, as for staff pastors, you know, you can earn mistrust yeah, if you continue right. to do the same thing over and over. And then if you find that people are saying, uh, I know this isn't getting done, and I can tell you why. Well, they're not trusting you, so you're earning that mistrust. You got to make sure you're always there. You're always doing what you're supposed to be doing, so that your pastor can say, "Oh, there's a reason why they're not here." That's good. There's got to be a reason. 
Pastor Scott, I'm going to give you the last word here as we wrap up. There are staff pastors listening to this. There are young leaders. There are volunteer leaders listening to this podcast. What would you want to tell them about the power of longevity, the power of remaining and staying? Well, I, there's, I don't see downsides. <laughs> um, <laughs> you, you, can t- you can look at downsides all the time with people that um, are— you know, in and out. They don't complete something. They're not getting ministry co- accomplished, those kind of things. I, I know as as a uh, lead pastor, um, you don't even really get, you don't even really get your vision moving forward until five or six years into oh, this. And yeah. that, and that's if everything is going kind of fairly smoothly. If you've got, if you've got some um, intentional dead weights, uh, you, you can add two or three years to that easy. Yeah. And so, um, so longevity, if nothing else, you, you get to see if you can accomplish what God has created you to accomplish. Yeah, that's good. It's not all, it's not just theory. You know, I, ta- I, I talk to ministers all the time that have big plans, great vision, wonderful theory, but it's never happened. Yeah. Well, start making it happen. The, mm-hmm. the way you do that is is longevity. We, we just had um, a girl graduate from high school this year that started. In junior high, when Josh and Liz got there, and so that's been their entire tenure here, and yeah. and she just came to our um, young adults, our twenty somethings, the other night that Linda and I do, and I was just sitting there watching her a couple times, thinking, now she's she's still she's just an eighteen year old kid with you know a bunch of twenty five year olds and plus, but but just watching her, you can see growth, you can that's see awesome. things that. Um, that that are necessary. That this is what you're trying to accomplish in ministry. You can see stuff, and it's not just trying to get a bunch of kids to a youth group, but really investing. You can you can see the results of that, and we've got plenty of stories like that at, mm-hmm. at Briargate. So one of the things you get to see your vision. You really get to see God use you the way He's created you. Um, that's a huge thing. There, there's also some just some great foundational things for you and your family. Uh, marriages struggle when ministers are moving around every two, three, four years. Yep. Uh, children struggle. That's right. They, they, they really that that inconsistency of church to church to church can really hinder the kids, and they're misunderstanding what ministry is, and they're misunderstanding what a church body is and a church family. And so, so I think there's some things that are that are things that we would normally put into the hands of people in the church, but they're just as important for us. Is are you are you a healthy part of a local body uh, for a long time? You know, I, I've talked to a lot of pastors over the years that every three or four years they're at another church, mm-hmm. but they get mad at people when they do the exact same thing. Yeah. So, so at some point, longevity does some of those things. Plus, you know, to, to put it quite simply, uh, Josh and Liz are really our family to us. You gain, you get if they if they resign and leave tomorrow and go somewhere else. They're still going to be family, yeah. and their kids are still going to be like grandkids to us. That's awesome. Uh, th- these are things that that stay with you for the rest of your life, and so I, I just think there's some longevity in that. Plus, the people of the church trust everybody better. Yep. They trust they trust me better That's when right. when they know Josh and Liz wouldn't be around unless they trusted me. Mm-hmm. So then, people in the church walk in, and they immediately. Uh, begin to trust. They so we were sitting at a youth event a few weeks ago, and one of the people in the church leaned over. She used to be a board member, and she said, "You know, you really did good when you hired Josh and Liz." Wow. 
Well, they've been there seven years now. This isn't new to anybody else, but it was just her way of saying, this is a good thing that we have. And I think across the table, you, you you can do so much if you just stick in there and hang together, work through difficulties, on the other end, when, when ministry comes out and you see certain things, you know, you said earlier, and I think this is huge, a lot of churches have been in turmoil and confused and yeah. all kinds of stuff through COVID. I don't, at least from my perspective, we haven't spent one minute being confused, yeah. rattled, frustrated. We just kept doing what we're doing. We're already doing, you know, uh, live streaming. We just, now we, we ramped some things up and we adjusted some things but nowhere in our staff, nowhere on our board, nowhere was there people just freaking out and what are we going to do and are we going to close the church forever? I mean, it just wasn't that way. That's right. We just worked too long together. We know each yeah. other. We know we're going to get through this. We know we're going to figure it out. And uh, so I, I think longevity brings all that kind of stuff. Can I just say, too, that I think there are times when you have to leave. Yeah. There are times when you go to a church and it doesn't, it yeah. doesn't mix. I mean— the staff pastor doesn't really mix with the pastor, and and things aren't going smoothly. There are those times. Um, you know, we're not saying that there's never a time and everybody should stay forever. That's right. That's we're not right. saying that. But what we are saying is that there are too many times when we leave too quick. Yeah. And we should just say, hey, can we fix this? It's so much better for everybody if we can fix this and we can just be there a while. Don't let the first hurdle or obstacle cause you to leave. Absolutely. Work through that. Yeah, work through it. you'll be better for it. Guys, this has been so rich. This has been so helpful. You guys have just been so open and vulnerable. Pastor Scott, thank you so much. Linda, great to have you on the other side of the table as one of our (laughs) guests. And Josh, just getting to work with you and Liz in the youth department is absolutely amazing, man. Just your longevity, your consistency. I love it. I applaud you guys for that. So thanks for sharing your heart. Hey, guys, um, thanks for joining us around the table today. And we love having conversations just like this to help ministries of the local church thrive and succeed. So feel free to share this link to the podcast on social media. That would help us a lot. And for more resources just like this one, Subscribe to the Table Podcast or you can go to our website, rmdc.org, under the Church Ministries tab. Uh, There's plenty of resources, plenty of podcasts that can help you grow the ministries of your local church. Thank you for listening today. Thank you for spending time with us around the table. For more resources just like this one, visit thetableresources.com. 